you would, open your Bibles to Judges chapter 6, the book of Judges chapter 6. Let me say this to you, if you're an outline person, there's an outline in the worship guide, but I'd like for you to consider it more of a, a general idea of what we might be talking about this morning. So if you're a detailed person, I don't want you to get frustrated if I don't stick right to the outline this morning. Returning to Judges chapter 6, let me say this. We're, we're in the 10th the day of this new year. And I don't know everything that's going to happen in 2010, but I do know this. We as a church family are going to have some really good days. We've already put another wedding on the calendar. We've got covenant children on the way. We're going to have some really good days. And we're going to have some really tough days. We've already had one funeral uh, this year, and, and so we know we're going to have hard times. question is, how are we going to respond to each and every day of 2010? Do you, speaking to the children of God here, to believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, do you believe that Jesus is with you and is going to do what's best for you each and every day of 2010? Do you really believe that to be true? I want you to keep that in mind as, as we go to our text this morning. Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. And remember, this is the word of God. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The, the meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and he brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened cakes, put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and he touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Let's pray together. 
Father, we come to you this morning. We pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would show us wondrous truths about yourself and this portion of your glorious gospel. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. About two weeks ago, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I said to my youngest son, Jonathan, who's 15, I said, son, I have a confession I need to make to you. And, and with that, he came and he stood right in front of me. And, 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 and he looked me right in the eye and he put his hands on, on my shoulder and he said, Dad, you can tell me anything you want as long as you're not about to tell me that you've been lying to me for the past 15 years and you don't really love me. Wow. All I was going to say is, I ate one of your french fries when you're out of the room. <laughs> but, but Jonathan, Jonathan was re- relaying to me a truth that we, I have been trying to get into my kids' heads since the day they were born. He was making sure I understood that he knew that he was loved. And no matter what, he could handle whatever was going to come his way. Now, our friend Gideon could have used that same type of assurance. You know, when we first find Gideon, we find him in a wine press beating out wheat. Now, typically, you would beat out wheat up on top of a hill. And, and that way, as you're beating it, you could throw it up in the air, and the wind could come and blow away the chaff, and then you could pick up your wheat, and you could use it. But, but Gideon, well, he's in a wine press beating out his wheat. He's there because he's afraid. He's scared. He's afraid that those Midianites are going to come back again like they have for the past seven years at harvest time and steal his food. He's scared. And don't miss the irony here of of what God says by the angel here when he shows up before him. Here's Gideon hiding in the wine press, and how does he greet him? The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon felt like a lot of things that day, but he did not feel like a mighty man of valor. Yet, that's the way the angel of the Lord greets him. And then look at the question that Gideon immediately puts to, to the angel. He says, please, sir, if the, verse 13, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. You know what he's asking here in verse 13, right? He's asking that question, if God is really God, then why are all these bad things happening to me? That's, that's, what, that's what Gideon's asking right here in, in verse 13. It's the same question we find ourselves asking from time to time. Why is this happening? I mean, after all, I go to church. I try to love my family. Uh, I, I try to do what's right. I work hard, and yet my life is still a mess at times. And if God really loved me, should this be happening? That's, that's what Gideon is asking. I mean, after all, it could be that, that maybe you've lost your job or, or 
your marriage is struggling. Or, or, or students, you know, maybe you have a teacher that you're just having a, a really hard time getting along with. Or, or maybe you have a friendship that has gone off the tracks. Or maybe you're really hurting. You, you've lost a loved one. And, and you're thinking, God, if you're really God, why is all this bad stuff happening to me? That's what Gideon's asking that day. And, and if we're just a little bit honest with ourselves, we'll admit that we ask the same question from time to time. We're constantly fighting against the idea that God owes us something because of what we have done. Well, God answers Gideon in verse 14. And, and, and he knows that Gideon's hurting, and he wants Gideon to go ahead and, and to lead his people against the Midianites. See, see what's happening here? God is telling this guy who is so scared that, that he's hiding out in the wine press to be doing what he should be doing out in the open. I'm going to use you to take away the fear in your land. I'm going to use the weak for my purposes. Do you ever feel like that you're not worthy to be used by God? That, that maybe that you don't know enough? Or maybe that you don't have enough faith? Maybe you've done something in the past that, that haunts you so much that you're afraid that God can no longer use you. Now, before I started into the ministry, I, I sensed a call to the ministry a couple of years before I took my first seminary class because I was scared. I was afraid. I didn't know how God might use me, and, and, and I was acting an awful lot like Gideon. I forgot that God used the hurting and the weak for his purposes. You know, the way God sees us and the way we see ourselves, it's, it's quite different at times, isn't it? God sees us as being redeemed, justified, clothed in Christ's righteousness, people. And yet so often we have a hard time letting ourselves feel the same way about ourselves or think the same way about ourselves. We are people that are loved by our God, and we need to remember that. You know, think about Gideon's situation here. Here he is, hiding out in, in this wine press because he's afraid. And, and we, we didn't read the verses prior to this, but verses 8 through 10 tell us that a prophet had come into the land, and, and, and he reminded the people that their God is the one that had brought them out of Egypt, brought them into the land, drove out the people in the land, and he told them, because of that, you have nothing to fear. That's, that's the God that you serve. And yet, here's Gideon hiding out in the wine press. He had forgotten the promises that God had given to him. You see, when we forget who God is, and who we are in relationship to God, we become fearful. 
That's what happens when we forget who God is. Not only do we become fearful, we also become frustrated. You can, you can hear it here in, in Gideon's tone as he's talking to the angel of the Lord there. Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? If you forget who God is, you become fearful and frustrated. We don't want to be like that. So what does Gideon say? He says, okay, God, I hear what you're saying, but here's what I need. I I want you to give me some sort of sign. And and so uh, he goes and he prepares this meal and and he brings it back. and, And the angel of the Lord touches the food and fire comes up out of the rock and it consumes all the food and the angel of the Lord vanishes. And we're told in the next couple of verses that that Gideon realizes that he was in the presence of God. Now, you would think at that point Gideon would say, okay, sign me up. I'm ready to go lead the the battle against Midian. But, But that's not what happens in Gideon's life. In fact, if you remember the account just a little bit later, uh, he, he comes to God and he says, all right, God, uh, you know, what you did with, the, with that food, you know, that, that, was, that was really cool, but I need, I need another sign. Remember what Jesus said about those that asked for a sign? He said it was a wicked and adulterous generation who asks for a sign. And Gideon says, I've seen one sign, but you know what? I need another sign. And and so he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this fleece uh, down on the threshing floor. And when I get up in the morning, if the fleece is wet and all around it is dry, then I'll know that you're God and I'll do as you've asked me to do. So he gets up the next morning and sure enough, God's done it. The fleece is wet. The floor is dry. And Gideon says... And God, uh, that's great. You did exactly what I asked you to. But I need another sign. Okay, so here's what I want. Let's just do it in reverse tomorrow. Uh, I put the the, the fleece out there, and the fleece is dry, and the ground all around it is wet. Well, then, then I'll be ready to go and, and, and do as you ask. But you know what? God does it again. But Gideon still, the next day, realizes he still has the same problem. The Midianites are still out there. You know, God does not always take away the cause of our fear. But he does always give us a reason to trust him. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Ralph, I I hear what you're saying, but you know, Jesus did say there's a wicked and adulterous generation that asked for a sign, so I'm not going to actually lay out a fleece tonight, but I'll be honest with you. It would be awfully tempting, you know, if, if, I, if God would do something like that for me, you know, I, I, I might be tempted to ask for it. Well, let me assure you of this, that the one who takes away the condemnation of your sin is trustworthy. And the one who seals your relationship with him by sending his spirit to live within you is trustworthy. The one who gives you his word 
is trustworthy. You know, Jesus performed all sorts of miraculous signs for, for the people. And you know what? They still crucified him. So don't fall into the foolishness of thinking, if God would just do that for me, then, then I would certainly have more faith. I want us to, to, to really focus on the assurance that we have in God. Look, look at verse 16. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Now, I'm not here this morning to tell you that you're not going to have any problems in 2010. If I told you that, you know I was lying. We're all going to have tough times. But I want you to remember that God is not with his people because of who we are. God is with his people because of who he is. And with that, we can take great comfort. Remember Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Any relationship that starts that way, we can be certain is going to be continued the same great way through the grace of God. God will never leave you nor forsake you no matter what happens in 2010. You know, Gideon says, you know, he admits he's from the weakest clan and, and he's the least in his entire family. Yet God used him to deliver the people from the Midianites. Over in chapter 7, we read that, that God actually takes 300 people against 120,000 warriors of the Midianites and God is victorious. 300 versus 120,000, that doesn't happen on its own. It's obviously the work of God. God is the victor. And he doesn't care how weak we might think we are. He wants to use you. He doesn't care how frail you are. He doesn't care how few in number you are. God says, I am with you. you know, God's not expecting us to be strong. He's expecting us to depend on him. He wasn't asking Gideon to, to take the battle against Midian on his own. He's saying, trust me, I'm going to win this battle for you. He's expecting us to, to depend on him. So Gideon is here in Judges 6, 7, and 8. Do you know when Gideon shows up again in the Bible? Hebrews chapter 11. Do you remember what Hebrews chapter 11 is? It's, it's that chapter that was sometimes nicknamed the, the Hall of Fame. Now, now, why would this scared, hiding out in the wine press, give me a sign, give me a sign, give me a sign type of guy, end up in Hebrews chapter 11? As one of these great saints of the past. Well, Gideon is there 
just like everyone else is there, because everyone else who's listed there at one point sinned against God and was scared, and yet pushed through sometimes on even just the smallest amount of faith, and God used them to do great things and bring glory to His name. Will you trust God in 2010 and let Him use you? Will you trust Him with your money? Or are you going to go and you're going to hide in the wine press and, and, and think, God really can't handle this situation? He is trustworthy. Will you trust Him with your time? He is trustworthy. Will you trust Him with your tongue? I mean, we as Christians need to be ready to speak the truth at all times. We're called to take the gospel of Jesus Christ out to the entire world. Do you remember what, what Christ told His disciples as He is giving them and us the Great Commission? He says, I will be with you always. He is trustworthy. Will you trust Him with your past sins and and past failures? Jonathan doesn't worry about problems that he and I might have had five or ten years ago. He still comes to me and he lets me know what his needs are. And I still gladly use him as an ambassador to the family, for the family. He knows that he's forgiven. And he's loved by his father. You know, last week, Dr. Weldon started uh, us off the year by giving us a verse of the year over in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful truth for us to hold on to as we go into this new year. And and as I was looking at it uh, for the first time in the uh, English Standard Version, which Dr. Weldon started preaching through uh, using back in in the fall, and and I switched over also, I noticed something that the, the... the ESV does something different that none of the other English translations that I found uh, do. I, I know that not in the King James and New King James and New American Standard or New International Version, they don't do this, but the English Standard Version does, and it's very interesting. So I went back, I was looking in the, in the Greek, and, and I thought, you know, that makes a lot of sense why they might be doing that. And that is that uh, the, the, the verse... Six starts, it's actually in the middle of a sentence in the English Standard Version. It starts, do not be anxious. But the the sentence itself actually begins at the end of verse 5. It says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, now, different commentators will, will say different things about what that means, the Lord is at hand. Does that mean that we're talking about the Lord coming back again? Soon, or does that mean, as, as we're even talking about here with Gideon, that, hey, trust me, I'm that right there with you. Either way, it's making the same point. 
and, and that is that the indicative there, the Lord is at hand, precedes the imperatives. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is at hand. Be in prayer. The Lord is at hand. Be thankful people. The Lord is at hand. Be, have peace. You, you, you see, what, what the Apostle Paul is, is telling us there through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that the Lord is at hand. Therefore, we can move through this world and, and not have to be anxious people. God used fearful, frail, faulty Gideon to bring blessing to his people and to glorify God's name. God says, you may be faithless, but I, I am faithful. You may be afraid, but I can still use you. I'm at hand. You may really have messed up, but I can still use you. And I'll prove how much I love you by sending my son, Jesus Christ, to redeem you from your sin. You know, Gideon, he's just the opposite of Jesus. He's like us. He's anxious. He's faithless. He's weak. And he assumed that his tough circumstances meant that God must not really love him. But Christ took up the toughest of circumstances and he bore them all the way to Calvary. Jesus' faithfulness covers our faithlessness. Here before us this morning, we have the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's only in Christ that we can have assurance of a peaceful, peaceful relationship with God. Do you trust in Christ alone for your salvation? If so, then trust Him with every other aspect of your life. Now this table is for all of us who sometimes grow weary or sometimes get afraid or sometimes become anxious. This table is given to us as a means of grace to strengthen us. You know, anyone here who's a member in good standing of an evangelical church is invited to come today and to dine at this table. If you do not trust in Christ alone as the Savior of your sins, then I'd ask, as the elements are passed, that you would not partake. But instead, use the time to pray that God would reveal himself to you in a new way. If you have sin in your life that you just do not want to get rid of, you don't really think it matters to God, maybe it's just an ongoing sin, or maybe you're holding something against a brother or a sister, then I tell you, let the elements pass and, and, and repent of your sin. Don't make a mockery of this table of Jesus. But if you're serious about mortifying the sin that is in your life, this table is the perfect place to come and to find strength. Parents, if your children have not yet been examined by the session, we ask that you would withhold the elements from them. And instead, use today when you get home to spend time explaining to your children that the assurance that can only be found 
in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.